Uh, we've been uh, doing this series called Better Together. And last week we talked about the need for us to strive in our relationships, in our marriages, uh, that, that just to have this understanding that we are better together, we're better together in our marriages, and, and we ask that you would commit, commit to eating a meal together with your husband and with your wife and with your kids once a week with, without any technology, without any screen time, and, and we ask that you would commit to praying for your husbands, and, and, and husbands, pray with your wives and pray with your kids, and kids, pray with your parents, because we feel like God is asking us to raise the standard here at Glad Tidings. We reminded you uh, a couple weeks ago that, that you are the body of Christ, and you are an important part of it. And we said that every single individual here has this incredibly vital, this important role that they play in the body. And maybe you're a foot, or maybe you're an eye, maybe you're an ear, maybe you're a toe, Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. You have a role and you have a gift that needs to be used in the body of Christ. And what the scripture tells us is that when we come together as the body, some amazing things happen. We come together as the body of Christ in unity. Some incredible things are promised to us. The Bible says that if two or three are gathered in his name, then he is there in the midst of them. You'll remember that after Jesus' resurrection, he makes an appearance to his disciples, proving that he's alive, and then he ascends into heaven, and his followers are told to wait in Jerusalem for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And they decided to wait all 120 people, they're all together in unity, and they're all waiting in one place. And all of a sudden, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak in other languages. And there are people in the area who, who they understand everything that they're saying because they're speaking in their native languages. And Peter, right, of all people, Peter, remember, he's the guy who denied Jesus previously. Here is imperfect uneducated Peter who has this great opportunity to kind of, you know, redo his past and he stands up in the face of the unknown and he begins to share the good news and that day 3,000 people were added to the kingdom of God. Amazing things happen when we come together in unity. Amazing things happen when we come together in unity in the name of the Lord Jesus, because we are better together. A few weeks ago, we had been talking about the body of Christ, and we've been reminding you that God has this unique purpose and this unique role for your life, and it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter where you've been, we want you to know that you are not an accident. But God has created you, and, and God has designed you in such a way to give purpose and meaning and fulfillment in your life. And this morning, I want you to know that you were made to be a part of God's family. Amen. Scripture says 
in Ephesians, it says his unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. You see, God wanted a family, and the entire Bible is this story of God creating and saving and protecting his children, and so he made you, and he made me with the purpose of being a part of his family. And so for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, we become his children. And so just think about that truth for a second here. The head of your family is the creator of the universe. And so whenever you feel unimportant, or if you ever feel unloved, or if you ever feel insecure, remember who you belong to. If you ever feel as though you're alone, remember whose family you're in, and remember who your father is. And so if God has adopted you into his family, and if God has adopted me into his family, that makes us brothers and sisters in the church of the living God. Which means that it doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're young or if you're not so young. And it doesn't matter if you have a lot of melanin or none at all. We are part of the family of God. So over the course of the next few weeks, we'll be talking about our cultural diversity. Because if you look around in this place, there's a whole lot of us who don't look similar to each other. And we're going to be learning from our cultures and learning what each other has gone through to get here. And so you don't want to miss next week as we have an open discussion about race, racialization and what Scripture says about it. God's family is the church of the living God. Now, when some of you think of church, I mean, what do you think of? Some people, they, they think of the structure, right, the building. Maybe it's a traditional building or a modern building. And other people, when they think about church, they think about music, right, traditional music versus modern music or loud music versus not-so-loud music. Some people, when they think of church, they think of just the morning service and what comes first and what comes next and how can I get out of here and when is this going to be over? I mean, that's what we think about when we think about church. And I want to remind you this morning that the church is an organism. The church is this living, breathing, active, moving being. The church isn't a company. It isn't this organization. It's not this institution and it's Definitely not a business, but the church is the eyes and the ears of Jesus, and the church is the voice piece of Jesus. The church is to carry out the heartbeat of Jesus. The church is the body of Jesus active and moving in the world today. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me once again to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll be reading from verse 14 onwards. 1 Corinthians 12, 14. The 
verse 14, the body is not made up of one being, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many parts but one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Verse 26, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it, and if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. You know, a few weeks ago, we reminded you that you were created for a specific role in this body. But today, I want to tell you that you will miss this purpose in your life if you are not attached to a living local church. There's a lot of people who don't have a problem with Jesus, right? And when you think about church, though, that's when people raise some issues, there's a lot of people today who think that they can be a Christian and not be a part of church. And that's partly true because coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. But the person who says, I don't need the church, is either very arrogant or very ignorant. And here's why. You know, if you look at Scripture the church is very significant to Jesus. And, and the church is very important to Jesus. Jesus loves the church so much that he came and he died for it. And when you look at the scripture, the Bible calls the church the body of Christ. And it calls the church the bride of Christ. And so can you imagine saying to Jesus, hey, Listen, Jesus, I accept you into my heart and I accept you into my life, but I reject your body. Or can you imagine saying to Jesus, Jesus, I love you. You're amazing. You're wonderful. I love you so much, but I hate your bride. This is what we say when we dismiss the church. I mean, this is what we're saying to Jesus when we decide not to get involved in the church. This is what we're saying to Jesus when we demean the church and when we complain and complain and complain inappropriately, inappropriately about the church. The Bible says that a Christian without a church home is like an organ without a body. It's like a sheep without a flock. It's like a child without a family. And this morning, I want to remind you simply that the church needs you. Whatever your gifts are, whatever your talents are, whatever your abilities are, whatever your experiences, whatever your age is, whatever your cultural background is, the church needs you, and you need the church. You need us, and we need you. And so this morning, I've, I've titled this message, one plus one equals, one plus one equals, 
One plus one is actually greater than two. One plus one is actually two or more. So let me give you just a quick example. Let's, let's just suppose Jay can lift a max of 100 pounds. And so he's offended. Let's just say Jay can lift 1,000 pounds max. His max lifting is 1,000 pounds. And, and Blaine's max that he can lift is 1,000 pounds and so if you ask them to lift something, they can actually probably lift more than 2,000 pounds. Blaine saying no. But see, what would happen is, is that Jay would encourage Blaine, and they would encourage each other enough to lift more than their actual capacity. So here's, here's another example for you. So suppose Raz and, uh, and John... They're a part of this company, and uh, let's just say that Raz, one day she decides to lock herself in the office, her office, with her cat, <laughs> and, and Raz and her cat came up with a whole bunch of ideas that would increase the profits of the company by 10%, right? And let's say that John goes away and he locks himself in his office by himself, with, and he comes up with some ideas and that can increase the, uh, the profits of the company by 10%. Well, if they came together, then they've increased the company's profits by 20%. But if Raz and John came together and brainstormed together, the odds are is that they could come up with ideas that could increase the profits of the company by maybe 25%. Maybe 40%, maybe 50%, maybe 100%, because one plus one is actually greater than two. And what I want to tell you this morning is that God has made us, and God has designed us, and He has created us for each other. And what Paul is saying is that, listen, we are better together. Because one plus one is greater than two. You see, there are no lone rangers in running after the kingdom here. He intended for us to run together. He intended for us to do life together. So think about that for a second. If someone here was in need, and they were so desperate for help, and they needed $200 to pay their heating bill, you know, that's a heavy burden for one person to figure out. But if the need was felt through the 200 people who are here at GT, well, that's just $1 a person. See, one plus one is greater than two. In other words, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. But it means that we have to depend on each other, doesn't it? It means that we have to trust each other in order for us to move forward. It means that we need to depend on each other for our own growth. In the scripture that we read together, Paul says that if somehow an organ were severed from its body, it would just shrivel up and die because it cannot exist on its own and neither can you. If you disconnect yourself, if you cut yourself off from the lifeblood of the local church, 
then your spiritual life will wither up and eventually cease to exist. This is why, you know, the first signs of spiritual decline is usually a person who is inconsistent in their attendance at church. You ever heard someone say, you know, I can be a good Christian without attending a church? I'm sure some of you know those people. Maybe some of those thoughts have come into your mind, but I want to tell you that God would disagree with you. God would disagree with those people because there are so many good reasons to be actively involved in a church. And today I want to tell you why you need the family of God. You know, what I love about Glad Tidings Church is that every time we meet, I get to see people from different nationalities. I get to be with people from different cultures people from different economic backgrounds and and people of different ages and people who have different stories. And and here we are and we get to all come together to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's nothing like that. This is a powerful, powerful witness to the world that, that God would bring people from all over the world, all different backgrounds together helping each other out, bearing each other's burdens, all to worship Jesus as our cornerstone. You know, coming together as a church family, it helps you grow. It helps you grow spiritually. You know, you're, you will never grow to maturity by only attending worship services. And you will never grow to realize God's full purpose for your life by just being a spectator on Sunday mornings. You know, if you want to grow in your spiritual life, then you need to get involved. And I'm not talking about being involved by attending Sunday mornings, even though that's a small part of it, but what I mean is that you're willing to make yourself available and that you're willing to make yourself accountable and you're willing to give of yourself and you're willing to put others first and you're, you're willing to use your gifts and use your abilities and use your resources in ministry at the church. Ephesians 4 says this, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You know, over 50 times in the New Testament, this phrase, one another, pops up. You know, we are told to love each other. We're told to pray for each other, to encourage each other, to admonish one another, to greet each other, to serve each other, to teach each other, to accept each other, to honor each other, to bear each other's burdens, to forgive each other, to submit to each other, to be devoted to each other, and many other tasks. See, these are your family responsibilities that God expects you to fulfill through his church. And so I want to ask you the question today, who are you doing this with? Who are you doing these one another's with? Who are you doing life with? And so this is why we decided to change our whole approach to small groups this year, or LSL groups. And in fact, we've decided to call these groups life groups. Because life was meant to be shared. It wasn't meant to be lived alone 
in your good times and in your bad times, it's meant to be shared because we are better together. You know, the Christian life is more than just your commitment to Jesus. It includes a commitment to other believers. And once you have become a child of God, you are welcomed into Jesus' family, and he expects you to be there for one another. In the book of Acts, the, the believers in Jerusalem's in Jerusalem, they were very specific in their commitment to each other. They were devoted to fellowship. They understood the importance of their interdependence with each other. And they understood that they were better together. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles. They committed themselves to life together the common meal, and to prayer. And so this is what we want our life groups to look like. Each life group will spend some time talking about the scripture that was discussed, discussed on Sunday. They'll spend some time talking about the challenge that was presented on Sunday. You know, a lot of times we walk away from the Sunday morning service and we don't keep ourselves accountable to anyone about what we've heard. And we don't keep ourselves accountable to the things that are being taught or the challenge that's being presented on Sunday. We want to be able to do that in our life groups. And we want our life groups to help keep us accountable, accountable to our growth in the Lord and accountable to doing life together. And so each life group will participate in kind of a potluck-style meal together because, well, food right? That's, that's why. And there's something that happens when we have a meal together. Walls fall down, don't they? Don't underestimate the power of a meal together. And that's why we're asking you to spend a meal around your table together during the week without any screen time because something happens when we eat together. So each life group is going to spend some time encouraging and praying for each other. And the best part about this new kind of form that we're taking on with Life Group is that there's no real homework. And only one person is happy about that other than me. I mean, there's no real homework. You just come and talk and just come and be. And the truth is, is that I'm expecting everyone to participate. I'm expecting everyone to be involved. And so our life groups are going to start in April, and in a few weeks we'll be passing up out a sign-up sheet to place you in a group. And so if you're here today and you feel disconnected, I want to encourage you to join a life group this April. And if you feel like you're alone in this battle, then join a life group. And if you feel like no one's around who understands, then join a life group. And if you feel like you're constantly falling into sin, then join a life group. Those who are experienced in their walk with Jesus, we need you in a life group to be mentors and to help train and walk alongside those who are less experienced Jesus followers. 
And those of you who are here today who you're not really sure about this whole following Jesus thing, I encourage you, just join a life group. At the end of the day, we're just, we're looking for more opportunities for real fellowship to happen in the body of Christ, and we want that to happen through our life groups. Did you know that we are called and commanded to be involved in each other's lives? And the enemy of your soul, Satan, he loves detached believers, people who are unplugged from the life of the church, people who are uncommitted churchgoers, people who are isolated from God's family, people who are unaccountable to spiritual leadership because he knows that they have no defense for his attacks. And so I want to tell you this morning that a life group is only going to help you grow. If you are accountable to the teaching of the word, if you are accountable to the challenge that God brings us weekly, if you are encouraging and praying for others in your life group, then the result is only one thing, and it's growth. Growth in your personal life, and growth in your marriages, and growth in your family life, and growth for Glad Tidings Church, and growth in the kingdom of God. You know, I've heard some people say, well, I'm heavily involved with this really great ministry to my family. And I'm not saying that your family isn't important, but nowhere in the New Testament does the body of Christ refer to your immediate family. Being included in this family is of high honor. And the greatest privilege that you and I will ever have, there's nothing that comes close to it. And I want to remind you today that you are created for a purpose, and that purpose is to be an active part of this body by taking on this role and the specific gifts that God has for you, but to be interdependent with each other. So I want to close with this this morning. What is your relationship like with others here today? I mean, do you even know the people that you're sitting with? And if not, what are you going to do about it? There's a few practical things that you can do to be actively involved in the body of Christ. The first thing is get plugged in. Get plugged in. Talk to the leadership of the church. Talk to me or Smitha or one of the staff members and and, and our goal is we just want to come alongside you to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Come and get plugged in. The second thing that you can do is to commit to a life group. Commit to real fellowship. Commit to being open and honest. Commit to praying for those in your life group. Be intentional about getting to know others around you and have some real fellowship. Each of us, we need to be committed to each other. We need to commit to the body of Jesus Christ. Are you committed to his body? A few weeks ago, we asked you to commit to discovering your unique role within the body. And today, we're asking you to commit to other people in the body. 
God has made you for his family. This very dysfunctional family. And we need to learn to love each other just like family. We need to learn to have genuine fellowship with each other. We need to commit to discovering our gifts in ministry within the local church. We just need to commit to being better together. This morning, I'm going to ask if the prayer team would come forward today. This morning, I want to tell you that every person was created by God. Every one of us were created by God. But not every person is a child of God. The only way to get into God's family is by being born into it. God has given us this privilege of being born again so that we are now members of God's own family. That's what it says in 1 Peter. And the invitation to be part of God's family is available for anyone. And you might be wondering, how is this even possible? I mean, how can someone be born again? How can, how can someone be born into this family? Am I supposed to just crawl up into my mom's belly? Well, that's kind of gross. This is kind of the same question that Nicodemus has. Nicodemus, he's this religious ruler who was probably a good man. He kept himself away from liquor and kept himself away from immorality and kept himself away from breaking the Old Testament law. And in spite of all of his religious credentials, Jesus tells him that in order to get to heaven, he must be born again. And there's a lot of people and maybe some people here today who are expecting to get into heaven because you follow a set rule set in your life. Maybe you follow a set of religious principles like, well, I go to church every single Sunday and I go to church with my mom or I go to church with my spouse or my girlfriend or my boyfriend. And you know what? I, I don't lie and I don't steal and I don't drink and I do a whole lot of good things. I even put a few bucks on the plate when it comes by. But Jesus is telling you this morning that your religion isn't enough to get you to heaven. It's not enough to save you. Coming to church doesn't get you into heaven. And coming to church doesn't make you part of the body of Christ. So Jesus tells Nicodemus, he says... You must be born again. Nicodemus was probably tired of trying to work for his salvation. He's probably tired of dealing with all of these rules. And in the middle of all of that, here he is and he's feeling empty because he's just chasing good things and he's just chasing works. And I just want you to listen to me this morning. If you are trying to get into heaven by working your way in, by trying to live a sinless life, you just need to forget about all of that. And you just need to come to Jesus and allow him to create a new person in you. Jesus tells Nicodemus, first of all, you must be born again. You see, when you allow the Holy Spirit of God to come into your life, 
He will save you, and He will transform you, and He will seal you, and He will break the chains of sin that bind you, and He gives you a new life, and He gives you this new start, and you get to become a part of the family of God. That is the nature of this new birth, and I want to ask you today, do you have that? Have you been born again? Jesus goes on to tell Nicodemus, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but will have everlasting life. Jesus says that you must believe. Believe in God for salvation. Totally rely on the payment that Jesus made at Calvary 2,000 years ago. Turn to Jesus today and ask him to save you from your sins. And he will give you a new life and you will get a new family. Would you stand with me this morning? With our eyes closed and... and heads bowed. We're just going to go to the Lord this morning. This morning, maybe you've never had that born-again experience. I just want to let you know that our altar team here would love to pray with you. Maybe when you think of family, maybe you've never had one. Maybe your parents abandoned you or maybe you feel disowned by your parents, your family. I just want you to know that Jesus is calling you to be a part of his. And when we come together as a family, the name of the Lord Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord can empower and equip and mobilize this body. And the invitation that Jesus has for you is that those who are in darkness may come to the light, and those who are lost can find direction. those who are weak and get some encouragement and strength. Scripture tells us forever, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Marvel not that I said to you, you, you must be born again. Trust in Him.
encourage you to come to these altars. One of our prayer team members would love to pray with you. If you need a healing, our prayer team would love to pray and believe for a healing for you. And if you're in need of something and you just need someone to pray with you, these altars are open for you. We're going to just spend a little bit more time here worshiping. You're welcome to stay where you are at your seats. And if you need to leave, we ask that you leave quietly. God bless you this morning. Have a great week.